Thank you, Brother McKinley, and you may be seated. And praise the Lord, everybody. I'm happy to be here, and as St. Paul said, to speak for myself. I have so many wonderful things that I could say and spend time tonight telling you about the goodness of the Lord unto me. And uh, this year uh, marks my, I just celebrated in April, my 49th year of living for the Lord. I'm extremely grateful for that landmark of, in my life, and I certainly appreciate all the good things that God has done through those years. And I can say without any reservations, it's been a wonderful journey. And I've enjoyed the trip, and I'm still enjoying living for the Lord. And I see no uh, options of turning back or turning around. Aren't you glad you're one of them tonight? And uh, it's just so nice to be here in this back in Post Falls again. And uh, I have to admit to you, uh, this is one of my favorite places to come. What a beautiful part of the country uh, of our uni these United States. I just love uh, Idaho and uh, Washington State and uh, the surrounding area. You just live in a grand part of our country. And uh, I'm just glad I can come and be with you on this celebration. 33 years of pastoring is a long time, and for to be in this area for 18 years uh, is certainly the bigger part of that 33 years. And so I congratulate Brother and Sister McKinley and this wonderful church family, and uh, I appreciate this, the Gospel uh, Lighthouse Apostolic Church. I had to look, got the name of it again, but it's always good to be with you good folks, and I like seeing familiar faces that I've seen in, uh, in, in the years gone by. But I love your pastor very much. Uh, I just don't think there's a man uh, that I know of anywhere that is kinder, more gent gentle, that manifests all the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, he's just a, a man of, of men. And I have in my past, as all have seen, um, some that did not even conduct themselves as a Christian, but Brother McKinley is certainly a Christian. And I, I look up to him for his, uh, his continuity in the Lord, his walk with God, and then um, his wonderful wife. Uh, she is certainly a very instrumental part of his ministry and in addition to him he certainly found a good thing when he found her and uh, they just make a good team they're so sweet and kind and gentle and loving and you are blessed beyond measure and I I think like every pastor does when we go to a church like this I always wonder really because I'm not close to the Saints here uh, know very little about you, really. Just know your face when I see you. I wouldn't, couldn't call your name if I, if they, uh, if they asked me to. But I will tell you this: um, I wonder at times if people really value 
the kind of leadership that they have. And when I look at Brother and Sister McKinley, I, I look at high-quality, top-notch leadership in this church. So you're very blessed, very, very blessed. From an outside point of view, I can tell you that you have one of the finest pastors that I've met anywhere in all of these United States. And that's the truth from my heart. So um, I commend you and uh, commend you uh, for your love for your pastor. Always treat him good and God will treat you well. And uh, that's just the way it works. I don't know how it works, but it works. And so it's just wonderful to be here in this uh, 18th church anniversary and the 33rd anniversary uh, of pastoral leadership by Brother and Sister McKinley. And uh, I don't know all of that history. I, I just got on board here a little bit late, but I'm really glad to be a part of uh, that attachment. And so uh, thank you for inviting me to come. I, I look forward to it. Um, I don't, I, I'm always uh, excited when the time comes. And uh, I don't like the flight. I don't think anyone cares much for that. But when I get here and I step off that plane, I'm, I'm a pretty excited young man, I'll tell you that. So it's good to be with you. God bless you. And uh, just enjoyed everything that's happened up to this point. You treat us so good. Very lovely hotel accommodations, the best, and uh, comfortable. And um, the the goodie basket, it's uh, it's been hit pretty hard this time. <laughs> Usually with me and my wife both, we can consume it pretty good. But she's not with me this time, and so I'm trying to eat double to make up for it. But thank you so much. What a great selection, and it wasn't just... Uh, just wasn't crackers and peanuts. It was uh, some very costly items in that in that uh, in that basket. And so, Sister Shalane, I thank you for that selection, and I thank Brother Sister McKinley for purchasing it. So it's good to be here. I enjoy the food, enjoy the fellowship, and certainly have enjoyed the services this thus far. Last night we heard a fabulous message, and. Uh, I don't know of any preacher anywhere in these United States that can say it better than Brother Ballestero and his uh, way of conveying and uh, is convincing. And when he speaks, I listen, and it's, he's, uh, he's kind of that easy listening type preacher. I don't have to have a big dictionary, um, but it's profound. I don't know how to say it any other way. But uh, I don't have to guess at what he's trying to say. No. It's down home. It's uh, very personal. Yes. And it's very effective. Yes. And so I thank him for the good message last night. Amen. Thank you so much for being my, uh, being my friend as well. Yes. And we've known each other a long, long time. Long time. Way back. Uh, I knew him before he knew me. Um, I was in my home church. And his mother and father pastored about... Uh, nine or ten miles from our home church for a few years and I saw him come in and out uh, I was a member of our local church and um, uh, and uh, years later little did I know that years later we would be very close friends and so I appreciate his ministry yes. and uh, what he has to say I'm certainly looking forward to it in the morning Amen. and so I uh, love you brother Balsterl yes. you're a good friend and then it's also nice to see another friend of mine, Brother Maddox. I love Brother Maddox very much. 
and when all of my um, and uh, I'm looking forward he's supposed to be taking me bear hunting um, and I wouldn't want to go with anybody else but him I understand he's the best and uh, so I'm looking forward to that I actually I hate to almost say this because I, I'm not against that but I don't really have any hobbies that I know of uh, and so I'm going to try to pick up bear hunting <laughs> and I'm not going I'm not going to take a switch either I'm not going to take a switch I'm going to take some ammunition and make sure that gun is cocked <laughs> and so he's looking for a grizzly I'm just looking for a bear um, they all look the same to me I walked in the restaurant today and there was one as I walked in, I said, hey, buddy, I'm fixing to meet you for long. Meet your brother or something. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Enjoy the Maddoxes every time I'm around them. I uh, just love their spirits and glad for the growth that they're experiencing at the moment. And so I appreciate them so much. Good to see Brother Rand. Um, I made him say that a while ago. He uh, I, he sat down and I said, how about me? You, you don't want me to come or something? <laughs> Uh, pardon? I didn't think you would come. He cost more. You didn't think I would come? <laughs> huh? I didn't think you'd come see me. Oh, I'd be glad to come see you. So um, it's good to be here. I I uh, hope you don't mind me saying this, but I want to say thank you for your prayers. We uh, This next week, the Lord willing, we're moving into our new facilities. We, uh, we are one excited bunch in Noblesville, and um, I uh, told them there's one thing they're not doing. They're not moving in without me. No, no. So I'll be home next week, and uh, we got our clearance yesterday. Our, uh, the, uh, we got our first pass, and they gave us uh, uh, an occupancy permit and uh, just a few little things to tie up. Uh, but uh, they didn't tell us we couldn't move in, so the Lord willing, next uh, Friday night will be our first service, and we're going to try to break it in right. And I told all the, I told them already, all you deadheads can stay here, but we're as live folks are going over there, and uh, everybody acts like they want to go. So I think we'll just take most of them with us. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, and then if, and uh, appreciate. Uh, uh, appreciate your prayers through all of that effort because it's been quite uh, an ordeal. Building, building buildings, a church building is not like building a house. It's not like building a garage. Uh, it's I've done both, and I can tell you there's so much more involved, particularly on a commercial level versus a residential level, and um, it's been quite. Uh, an experience for me, and I don't know if uh, my age is telling on me or what, but I'll be glad uh, when we move in, and it's all over but the shout. Yes. So um, we're we're about there. So thank you so much for that, uh, for your prayers. I know many of you have been praying for us, and I want to thank the McKinleys for their concern and interest in uh, what we've done in our city. It's good to be in this wonderful place tonight, and um, I hope I have the mind of the Lord. This 
I don't think this should take me very long. I, uh, I, I hope that I can uh, help somebody tonight. In fact, I hope I can help somebody tonight realize where they are spiritually and positionally in the kingdom of heaven. And if I get that job done, uh, I feel like that I've done what the Lord has commissioned me to do. I've never preached this message before. Um, and so I've been uh, studying. I got this on the airplane. It's not an airplane message, but it's, I got it. I was up a little higher than I normally am. And uh, I believe the Lord gave this to me. Yes. And for the first time, I'll introduce it to you. And uh, if I never preach it again, it wouldn't bother me so much. But I do know the Lord has given me something for tonight. All right. And I hope that you'll receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say amen. amen. So you can just turn to somebody right now before I start and say he's going to talk to you. All right. Now, I... Uh, I have never seen, I have never seen so many Pentecostals, I'm talking about Pentecostal apostolic people, becoming so twisted in their walk with God with strange ideas about what God wants them to do. I've never seen such a thing in my life. There are so many people, quote unquote, seeking the will of God. And I'm going to just say this. And you'll have to think about it. I do not believe that God intended for us to seek His will. I believe He intended us for to do His will. If you're seeking the will of God, you'll be searching a long time because God never expected men and women to be seeking His will. He gave you a will. He gave you two things. He gave you everything He wanted you to do right here. And he also gave you everything you needed to do by listening to the man of God. And that tonight is what I'm going to talk about in my approach to this message. Because I, um, I, um, I have preachers come by our place on occasion. Um, and uh, I hear things that they say uh, that concern me. Because uh, I, I don't believe that God's work is something that's um, that we ought to be ignoring or that we ought to be struggling with. I believe we can know the will of God specifically. And, um, and I believe that if you'll listen to what I'm going to say tonight, I'll make some sense. I have young men come to me and say, how do I find the will of God? And I want to just, I want to, I wish they was here tonight because I would tell them how to find the will of God. And I'm going to talk about that just a little bit tonight. I hope I can put some um, perspective on this lesson so uh, some of you don't get caught in the maelstrom of deception. And uh, uh, perception brings things into proper focus for us. So I'm hoping that I can, I can talk to us tonight. I'm reading from the Gospel as recorded by St. Luke. And um, I'm reading from chapter 15, and you'll, you'll catch it very quickly that um, when I pronounce 
the passages that I'm going to be reading. In the 15th chapter of the book of St. Luke, uh, the primary speaker here is Jesus. In fact, he, if you have a red letter edition, you'll find out that most of the words that are spoken in this 15th chapter, in fact, all the words in this 15th chapter except the introduction here, is spoken by our Lord Jesus. And there are three parables in this chapter, and they connect. They're about something that's lost. Everybody say something lost. And I'm not going to talk about the other two, but I'm going to talk about the one that uh, we are uh, very familiar with, and I'm going to talk about the one that we commonly know, the parable that we know as the prodigal son. And in some cases, some people would call this the lost son. And I want to focus on one of this man's sons, the younger son. And I want to begin my reading at verse 11. Can you all hear me out there? All right. I can't hear myself here, but as long as you can hear me, that's the main thing. I'm just going to read a portion of this parable that gives us the thought for tonight's message and then I'm going to stop. Chapter number 15 and verse 11 and I shall read uh, through verse 20. And he said, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. Everybody say two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into a field, into his fields to, to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat? Uh, pardon me, bread enough and to, and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And I'm going to stop there because that's uh, really my reading tonight. I want to deal with all of this reading that I've read, but there's one part that stands out the most that I want to focus on or highlight tonight, and it's verse 17. And it says, And when he came to himself. And another translation, I looked it up this afternoon, and it said, when he finally came to his senses. Another translation, thanks to Brother Balistero and Brother Bo for 
programming that in my iPad. It said, and he realized what he was doing, he thought. And uh, from the 17th verse, and when he came to himself, and I want to use for a subject tonight, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? You can be seated. What was I thinking? The power of thoughts. Psalms 23, pardon me, Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Another rendering of that verse, as a man calculates the cost to himself, this is what he does. We tend, as people, to reach for those things that we think on the most. It seems to be what we long for. The mind can easily be the place of our exaggerations. Our mind can miscalculate the outcomes. It can overstate, overestimate the actual. Thank God for the ability to be able to think. I'm glad I have the thinking capacity. But uh, God has given us a very precious thing that we can have a mind to think. But our expectations, our projections may be flawed if our thoughts are not properly channeled as they should be. God did not give you a mind to let it run away from you. He gave you a mind that you could house it and utilize it for your good and for the betterment of your spirit. The mind can play tricks and games on, on, your, on your soul, and you and I can easily be deceived. Too many times we have allowed our minds to wander in areas that we know are forbidden, but because no one can see it, and no one can harness it, and no one can bridle it. We seem to take liberty to let our mind run in areas that they sh it should not be. Areas that are forbidden by God and by our own conscience. We know we shouldn't be thinking those things. We know we shouldn't be pondering the thoughts that come to our mind. We're human. I'm as human as you are. I'm made of nothing different than you are. There's not a man on this platform that hasn't had the challenge that you sit out there have with your mind. And if we're not careful, the mind, my mind, your mind, can be the devil's workshop. And as wonderful as the mind can be, it can also be the place that leads us to our biggest headaches in life. There's some of you right here in this building that you're struggling spiritually, you're struggling naturally, you're struggling in many areas of your life, all because 
you have never comprehended the asset that God gave you and put it in control and bridled it as your mind. And so tonight you sit here discouraged. Some of you sit here pondering things that should never be pondered by you. All because you have never put in place the mechanisms that are necessary to control and to channel the thought process that God has given to us all. And as wonderful as it is, it can be the place that leads us to some disappointments and some sadness and to some ends that we do not need to go to. This text that I just read is the case in point. We can go from riches to rags, and like this young man did. And from rags to riches just by having a determined mindset. And the problem is, with most of us, is that when our minds begin to think of things, we seem to lock in. We seem to make that the general focus of our attention. And it, see, it affects us, and it brings us to where we are. It makes us what we become. And if we're not careful, we can go from those rags, from those riches to rags, or from rags to riches, by changing our mindset. I am convinced tonight that in this place, there's no one without hope. I think and believe because I have this to lean on that before I'm finished tonight that every single individual here no matter who you are no matter what your name is status of life where you came from what you've been through what you think you're going to face mm -hmm. can be all changed and altered tonight by a change of thought yeah, amen. Amen. amen and this power of thought is so critical to, for us to consider. The mind can be good or bad for us depending on how we use it. I don't have to read anything into this story. The story is, as far as I'm concerned, is as complete as any story in your Bible. Sure. I don't have to exaggerate on it. It's uh, Here's a man that has plenty and it tells us about the plenty that he has. He has a plantation he has fields, he has livestock, he has houses, and he has land, he has money in the bank, no question about that, and he has servants to meet all the needs of his household. And then, on top of that, he has two sons. Now, I don't want to talk about but the one son, but these sons he loves equally. They both have issues. That's not my concern tonight about the other son or the older son. My message tonight is about the younger son. And the son I read about is, is the one that is the focus of this message. Because it's pretty obvious by what we read here that this boy was a thinker. He learned to think. He thought a lot. And I can, am convinced tonight that his main problem was is because he had a thinker that was not channeled properly. Right. It was distorted. Right. His thoughts were distorted. Right. And 
It's not an overnight thought that he'd been uh, he'd been talking about, but he uh, had been thinking about, but he had been talking to outsiders, and been he'd been reading and hearing things that's going on in the rest of the world, things that he'd never experienced, places he'd never been, but he was susceptible to allow them to come to him and to affect his thinking. Everything he's hearing sounds exciting. He hears about the world that's a far away. He's never been there. He's never laid eyes on it. But he's been told how exciting, how wonderful, how blessed the other side is. His interest for the outside world is stimulated and activated and aroused. The world sounds so refreshing to him because he's never been there. He's never experienced it. The excitement, the interest, the fun, it's new, it's exciting, it's different. And what a great time they all must be having. He's never been there, but in his mind he he considers all the things that he's hearing. People come and telling things that are happening over there. He's never been there. He's never experienced it. He's never seen it. He's always been in dad's confinement. He's always been in dad's house. And so he didn't realize what was over on the other side. The world is not what he thought it was. What a great time they must be having over there in a far country. A place that he'd never seen. Here it's boring over here. It's dull. There's not much going on. Doesn't look like any, there's any flesh here. There's not much excitement going on where he's at. And so he thinks that there's nothing happening in the place that he's at. He's bored. He's not uh, enthused. He's not excited about anything that's going on around dad's house. And so he finds the place that he is at to be Dollsville, if, you, if, if I could use that word. But over there, it's bright lights. It's a gay time. It's exciting. It's wonderful. And that's all he hears. And so he thinks about it. Oh, they must be having a good time over there. This looks like everything is rosy. There's no bad days. There's no hardships. There's no pain over there. It just looks exciting. And so he's deceived by it because he's considering it. And so he, the Bible lets us know that he gets up the nerve to ask his father for his portion of his inheritance. And his father decides to give it to him. He, I don't know if all the ins and outs of what his thought process was about, about what his son had asked him. But so he divides his, the inheritance between his sons. And not many days after that, the Bible tells us that, that a few days later, he decides, this young man decides, that he's going to experience what he thought was the better life, or the ultimate, something he's never been to, he's never seen, but he has heard about it, he's read about it, and he's excited about it. And so he decides that he's going to go experience those things that he's never experienced before. He's been thinking about this day for a long time now. Freedom at last. It's party time. It's time to disconnect. Nobody to tell me when to get up. Nobody to tell me when to go to bed. 
Nobody to tell me what to do, where I can go, where I can't go. Amen. No standards, no restrictions. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be set free for the rest of my life. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have me a great time. And so he uh, takes his things and he goes and on that carefree journey. And he goes out from the place of his father. I can, as I said, I, I don't have to read into this. He evidently didn't even say goodbye to his father or his brother. Amen. He just left home. Just walked out. Not a word. Not a word to be said. Nothing to tell anybody. I'm just tired of this way. I'm tired of this, this, this standard around here. I'm tired of being told what to do and when to get up, when to go to bed. Just looks so routine. Everything looks so boring here. But over there, you don't have no worries. You don't have to worry about nothing in the far country. Yeah. Amen. And so we find out in verse 13 that he gathers all that he's got and he makes his way across the country to a far country. And I want, I want you to get away from all, I want to get away from all of this humdrum, boring, hard life to live. I want to start, I want to start a new life. And so he starts taking the money that he got from his father and he starts spending it and he starts living it up. He's up all night. He's carousing. He's having a good time. He's running with women. He's running with the drinkers. He's running with all kinds of corruption and he's having a blast and the world is somehow seems to be a fun place for him and so he the bible said that he wasted his substance on riotous living and it lets us know that he spent all that he had i'm telling you he finally come to the point that he didn't have anything left to let go of. It was all gone. Everybody say amen. amen. And then it tells us that there was a mighty famine that hit the land where he was. Amen. He's out of money, out of friends, no food, no place to live or sleep. And finally, he talked some man into giving him a job. And he gives him a job slopping hogs. Amen. Slopping hogs. He had seen... The hog slopped, but he'd never slopped one himself. He'd seen them take the feed to the hogs and bring it to the trough, but he's never had to do that himself. And so he got him a job slopping the hogs, and he saw while he was slopping those hogs, he's finally started doing some thinking the other way. And he saw that the hogs were eating better than what he was. And when you start desiring hog slop friend you're having a change of mind as to what it's really all about out there amen and so he he thinks about all of this he knows he's broke he's busted doesn't have any friends nobody cared what was happening to him he didn't have a father that worried about him because his father wasn't close enough by to help him amen and then the last part of verse 16 of all this reading that bothered me when I read it yesterday what bothered me most about all of this was the latter part of verse 16 and, and when I read it I'm telling you it struck my heart 
It was another blind spot that he had. He did not realize. You see, your, 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 your thinking process can distort facts. Yes. It can take away truth. Yes. It can take away reality. Yes. You, can, you might think it's better out there. You might think that things are different than what they really are. You may think it's a hard time in here. But my friend, let me tell you something. It's not hard in here. It's hard out there. And what he did not realize. Now listen to me when I tell you this. What he did not realize more than anything else in all of his thinking. He did not realize what the world would do to him. Amen. The last part of verse 13. It said, and no man gave unto him. He do, do, I hope we understand tonight that when you go out to the world, the world does not give you anything. Anything you get out there, you're going to have to earn it on your own. Anything you get in this world, it's going to have to be because you worked for it. You strive for it. Amen. It's dog eat dog. You know what I'm talking about. It's man against man. Amen. No man gave unto him. Amen. It's a whole lot different when we talk about the church because the church is the place that gives to you. Yeah, I heard yeah. I heard Brother Starks talking tonight all the things that God has given him since he's been in the church. My friend, if you go out there in the world, it's nothing but taken away from you. They're not going to give you anything. They're not going to loan you anything. It's going to be a price. It's going to be something that will cost you. But when you're in the church, the church of the living God, the church keeps giving. The church keeps offering. The church keeps producing. The church still giving to you everything that you have. Amen. And the next verse is my subject for tonight. And when he came to himself when he got his eyes opened amen brother i'm telling you what now i know most of you tonight probably don't know much about backsliding when you got saved you came in and stayed but i believe tonight there is a spirit right in this church i don't know where it's at i don't know who you are but there's somebody here tonight that's doing a whole lot of thinking god wouldn't give me this message god wouldn't be talking to me if you have not been using your mind to think about the things that are out there in the world, can I tell you tonight, you're in the best place that you could ever be in all of your life. You couldn't be in a better place than you are right here. Amen. I said you couldn't be in a better place than what you are right now. Thank God for the church. How many glad you're in the church? Amen. And this young man, when he came to himself, I believe he said, what was I thinking? I had it made back in Father's house. Amen. 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 I didn't have to do all this stuff that I'm doing out here. Amen. I had servants that could have waited on me. I had, there, were, there was plenty of bread to eat, he said. And there was enough. And here I am eating hog slop. And here I am having a hard time. Here I am with no friends. There I had recognition. There I had position. There I was in the Father's care. There I was overshadowed. But I'm out here now. 
But when he came to himself, and when he thought, what, what was I thinking when I made this move? What was going through my mind when I was considering all of this? I should have stayed where I was. I should have never left the Father's house. I should have never left that good, safe, solid, secure place that I was in. I should have stayed where Dad was because Dad would protect me. Dad would see to it that I had all my needs met. I had it made in my father's house. I had a roof over my head. I had some prestige about me. Amen. People looked at me like I was clean and pure. People knew I was honest. People knew I had some backing from my dad. They knew that I had support. They knew I had a good support system. But my friend, when you walk out of church and you walk out of God's house, you're walking into something that you're just thinking is good. That you just thought was a good thought. My friend, you better get that out of your mind tonight. You better say, God, wash my mind up. I'm in a good place and stay where you're at. Now, I'm not going to preach her along. I'm just going to get my point across like Brother Balistero did. And I'm going to try to beat him done. Amen. I don't want him out doing me nothing. I had it made in my dad's house. Even smart, smart people can make the worst of decisions. Good people can spiral downward fast by making wrong decisions. Decisions we make need to be ones that outlast our lifetime here. When you make a decision, your decision should be firm. It should be solid. It should be something that you hold on till Jesus comes. It should not be something that's temporary. It should not be something. And God doesn't give you any temporary things in church. If you live for God, my friend, you don't have to worry about it. God! may let us go through some things down here but we'll always be a step above we'll always be a step ahead we'll always be in a better position than anybody out there in the world because we are in God's house and God listen to me God always gives God is a giver when you come to this service tonight I know you came maybe to worship God and give God some praise. You're only giving Him praise because when you were out there, He gave you so much. That's why we're told in the Word of God that He loads His people daily with their benefits. When you live for God, amen, it's better inside God's house than it is in the house of the enemy. I'm telling you, it's been that way all the way down through this book. You start out in this book and you'll find out the children of Israel they had an edge on the world. They had an edge on the Egyptians. When the plagues came, God protected His own people. Amen. Things that happened in the world didn't always happen to the children of God. I'm telling you, you are somebody special. You are somebody important to God. And when you come in this place, God comes to give unto you. That's why when you come, you know that when you leave, God is going to have given you something. 
And I feel like tonight that the Holy Ghost showed me that there are people in this assembly who have no idea of how blessed you really are. I hope you don't take this wrong, but you're luckier than the luckiest. You're better than if you'd have won a million dollars at the at the roulette table. Come on now. Because the world will take from you. And God always gives to you. My friend, you have the best of the best of fathers in Pentecost. You got a man right here, right here, that is a father to you. He is your father image. You don't call him father because we're told not to call no man father upon the earth. But he is the man who tutors you. He is the man if you will listen to dad. Can I call him dad for a moment? If you will listen to your father, your earthly father. I'm not talking about your biological father. I'm talking about your spiritual father. If you will listen to the man of God that's over this church. If you will listen to his guidance and his counsel. If you will do what he says and walk in the ways that God has instructed him. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen in this world. God is going to take care of his own people. Because God loves you. God's on your side. And God's going to protect you like nobody else. You are the head. And you are not the tail. It's the man of God. Somebody who loves you. Oh, you, you blessed me tonight when you, when you testified. Somebody who loves you like nobody else in the world. I'm going to tell you what, you may not comprehend this at the moment, but let me tell you, nobody loves you in this world like your pastor does. Nobody cares for you like your pastor. Nobody's concerned about your well-being. Nobody's, nobody's more concerned about you when you're down and out and you've got problems and trials in your life. The man of God will be there. He'll be praying for you. You're not going to find anybody out there that will do that. You're not going to find anybody out there in the far country that will take care of you. But God's man will take care of you. Because God designed it that way. A man who will walk with you when trials and tests come your way. I want to talk about how you can always make the right decisions in life. You want to know it? It's so simple. It's not, don't, not going to take a rocket scientist, and you're not going to need to bring your calculators out or your big, thick books. All you're going to have to do is believe what I'm going to tell you right now because I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. Right. Number one thing, if you want to be successful, everybody say success. Yes. And I'm not going on anybody's book but God's book now. This is the book of success. Yes. First of all, you need to learn to talk to your Heavenly Father. Right. You need to learn to have communications yes. with Him. You need to learn to pray and seek the face of God. When you don't pray, you're not like you ought to be spiritually. When you don't talk to God, I know it feels like a one-way street, but it's not really a one-way street. Amen. When you commune with Him, He'll commune back to you in a different manner. God will take care of you. God will watch over you. He will overshadow you. And I'm telling you right now, you've got to believe in what He says. You've got to believe in His Word. If you find it in this book, then you can stand on it. You can hold it fast. You can say, if God said it, I know that God will bring it to pass. I shall never forget, I told this here maybe 
But a few years ago, I was going through a trial in my life. I never considered going back. I never considered taking a detour. There was no, there, there was no options for me but to go on. I didn't know what I was going to do. And one night, I just did what I knew I was supposed to always do. I just kept reading my Bible and praying and right. seeking the face oh, of yeah. God. Yeah. And one night about 2.30 in the morning, I, I, I found it. 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't remember what it was. But I was reading the Word of God and there was my answer. And I took the Bible and I laid it on the floor. And brother, I took my shoes off and I took my shoes off and I stood on top of that book. And I looked up toward heaven and I said, God... If you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have said it. Because I'm going to take you at your word. And can I tell you, my friend, God worked it all out. You know why? Because God always keeps His word. The word of God. It's the only book I know you can take, this, you can take the pages and the words verbatim. And you can cash in on them. The Word of God is clear and concise and can be stood upon. Read your Bible, number one, and pray every day. If you're going through something, that's a good test. A lot of times when I'm financially broke, I'll ask my wife, I said, have you paid the tithe? And she'll say, oh, yes. That's where her standard is. She never said, well, let me check. She always said, oh, yes. I said, I just want to make sure it's a little bit tight financially. As we'll make sure you're paying our tithe. Because I know what God's Word says about some things. And if I stand on it, and I don't back up, and I don't care if the lights get shut off, I don't care if your gas tank's on empty, I'm telling you, if you keep God's Word, God will keep His Word with you. Keep your mind on God. Listen to this. Listen to this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, everybody say mind, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I'm telling you, number one, always keep God first and foremost. Always do those things no matter, you know, no matter what anybody else thinks or says, you just keep doing what's right. God will see you through. The other Sunday afternoon, I, I pray every night before I go to bed, I get down beside the bed, even though I have other prayer. I get down beside my bed and I pray every night. And the other afternoon, on that Sunday afternoon, I seldom take a Sunday afternoon nap. You ought to be sitting over here because I keep looking over there. And I, I, I was, I, I was, I was taking, I, got, I, I was going to take a little nap. I don't usually take a little nap. And when I got in there, my wife, she was just getting in bed, and I knelt down beside bed. She said, she said, you really got it, don't you? She said, you can't even get in bed without praying. I said, you know what? I'm just going to pray anyhow. I know it's a little nap, a 15-minute nap, but I, don't, I want him to know I got, a, I, I got my mind on him. And you know what? He'll give you perfect peace. Come on now. He'll put something in you that you never thought you'd have. God will take you through what everybody else is cracking up over. Talk to your heavenly father. The second thing, if you really want success, 
is learn to talk to your spiritual earthly father, your pastor. Where many saints make the big mistake is they talk to everybody else. That's correct. If this young man, brother Maddox, if he'd have been talking to dad instead of listening to all those other reports. That's right. But he lost contact with dad, no question about it. He lost contact with his father. The only thing he could ask his father's was, is can I have my portion of the inheritance? I just want to get out of here. And his father was kind enough to give it to him. But let me tell you something. If you'll keep in contact with your pastor, Amen. stay real close to him. He's a man you can put confidence in. You can build on, and you won't hear it over the pulpit. You won't, nobody else will tell you about it because he's a confidential man. He's a man that loves God and loves you more than anybody in the world. Every one of you in this building that belong to this church, you are his number one saint. That's right. Because there's no differential. This father didn't love one son over the other. The other boy thought it maybe he did, but he didn't. He said, oh, no, no, I'm not, I don't want him to get into the other son. And I'm going to tell you what. He loved this boy. He thought a lot of it. And your pastor loves you. I don't care what man comes by this church. If his words don't match your, match your pastor's, Shut him down and listen to the man of God. I said every word that he says is right. If he decides he needs to make a change, he'll tell you. But listen to your father. I, think, I don't think some of y'all got that. Listen to your pastor. You young folks, and Brother Maddox, listen to this man. Because there's going to be a lot of voices from a far country. It's going to be talking to you and tell you, hey. The grass is greener over here. And there's going to be other preachers you're going to bump into in the city and around the state. And they're going to say, hey, we, hey, man, we got a choir. Y'all come here, our choir. You don't have to join our church. Come here, our choir. And then you go and you're deceived by what you see. And all of a sudden, the interest for you from that man is not nearly what you thought it was. Are you listening to me? Amen. Don't listen to anybody else but your pastor. And if I say anything in this pulpit that's contrary to what your pastor teaches, ignore what I said. Believe your father. Are you listening to me? Say amen. Not the preacher across town. If he talks to you, that preacher across town, you're going to get wrong counsel. I know they're out there now. They're trying to coach them their way. Because they're on the in crowd. They got this going on and that going on. All of a sudden, you're caught up in the maelstrom of deception. Some years ago, I was preaching, and I'm just about to close. I was preaching a meeting in our state. And a young man cornered me at the restaurant. I'd never seen him before. I didn't know who he was. Found out later he was the... He was the son-in-law to one of the preachers that was in that group. And he asked me a question. He said, hey, Brother Strevel, said, uh, down by you there's a city. Do you think that it could stand a good church? And I said, well, uh, son, I don't, I don't even know who you are. I said, who are you? And he told me who he was. I said, 
I wouldn't know if it needs a church or not, but I said, the person you need to talk to is your pastor. When you lose communicate, when you lose contact with the man of God, you're going to get messed up. When you start letting your mind think, this young man thought about, I'm going to build a church without the approval of my pastor. And you know where he is at today? You know him. I can tell you where he's at today. He's sitting in a city all by himself, just him and his wife. He's tried to start three or four churches, went to the mission fields. They don't want him there. He's been places, he's been places, had opportunities, but where he needs to go is right back home. There's nobody that would treat him any better than his own pastor would. If you got if you got a ministry in this church, if you have a ministry, this man will recognize it. You talk to him. You listen to him. And if you got a ministry, he'll let you know when it's time to go. I don't care if you can I don't care if you can lead the service better than anybody that's ever been in this pulpit. That doesn't mean you're called to preach. Oh come on now. You know what I'm talking about. I don't I don't care if you got ability to speak. Ten different languages. It doesn't give you a right to go anywhere and start a work without the approval of your pastor. Am I all right? What you're doing is you're listening to voices that you don't need to be listening to. And the time will come you'll say, what was I thinking? All because this young man would not take counsel from his pastor. He's got a daughter that's trying to make it in some other church. He's got a son that's an idiot as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't have any balance about him. His wife's all messed up. He's all messed up. All because he wanted to go start a church. I can tell you how I got called to preach. You want to know? My pastor talked to me. He said, son, I want to talk to you a little bit. It's me and you talk. Put his arm around me and said, I've been watching you. He said, you know what? You're going to be a preacher. I said, me? Oh, yeah. He said, boy, you can lead a service. That's all I want to do is lead a service. I said, I'm going to be a preacher? He said, oh, yeah. You're going to be a preacher. God's going to bless you. Yeah. And so I stayed there. I said, well, I'm no hurry to get going. I'm going to stay right here. I stayed right there until finally he said, hey, son. You know, it's time for you to think about starting a church. I, me? Me start a church? No, I can't do that. I said, we're going to work on that. I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. And people tell me, say, you know, you're a pretty good preacher. I said, it didn't matter to me what they said. It mattered to me what the pastor said. I didn't care. My mother, my mother wouldn't tell me. I, I don't think my mother ever told me I was a good preacher. I didn't need her approval. I needed the man of God. And finally one day he said, son, he said, God told me that you're going to start the church. Start a church. I said, he did? He said, let's get started. I said, where at? He said, well, pray about it. I said, all right, I'll pray about it. Pray about it. I said, hey. He said, start one where you're at. That's Noblesville. I went to Noblesville because he told me to go to Noblesville. When you listen to God's man, you hear what I'm trying to tell you? When you listen to Deb, when you listen to your father, God's going to honor you. I'm hated. We're going to dedicate a new church without him. But you know what he said? And many times in our church, 
I had him preach for me. He put his arm around me and said, just want y'all to know, this young man never caused me any trouble. Never. I never back-talked him one time. I never act like he missed the will of God. I knew he knew God for me. This man knows God for you. That's right. Amen. Amen. Don't bypass the man of God. He's the best friend that you got. Amen. And don't listen to another man that doesn't say what he says. The smartest of people, listen to this, the smartest of people don't always rely on what they think is best for them. They seek counsel. You hear me? The smartest of people that I've ever met don't always rely on their own thinking. They take counsel. I am surprised how many men will call me and I'll say, you're calling me? They're smart men, but they want some counsel. I'm glad. I'm glad to give it to them. I don't tell nobody about it. What should I do, Elder? And there's times, as smart as I am, I know I need somebody's help. You know understand what I'm talking about? I need somebody. I'd like to know how many times you men have helped me. I'd like to know. I don't know. I've lost count. Just something you said. Because they're men of God. Everybody said amen. amen. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, my friend, don't leave this church. You're in the best, the best chances of you being blessed are not over there. They're over here. Some of you, God would have blessed a long time ago, but you got this far country in your mind. Yeah. Come on. Come on. You're right. You got this far country. And the far country's got the lively music. Man, they got the. Everything looks free and fancy, and nobody has any worries or problems. And I'm talking about the church world, too. Yes, sir. But do you know the best place is where God placed you? Yeah. Amen. And if you'll stay right here, you'll watch all of that depression go. You'll watch all of that worry go. Amen. And you won't come down to a road sometime and say, how did I get here? What was I thinking? You got it. You got it made over here in Zion. In Proverbs chapter 84, I think is what I've got written down here. In verse 10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. It didn't say wicked. It said wickedness. You better watch out who you counsel with. Nobody in this church, nobody in this church has better counsel than your pastor. And every time you start talking to somebody, oh, you might get a lot of folks gathered around you and say, hey, you know what? Of course, we tell our people, don't be calling anybody to preach. I got a young man in my church. Man, he wants to preach so bad. I told him, I said, you know what? I doubt seriously you ever be called to preach. You're too anxious. 
too anxious. You think it's not smoke unless it's coming out of your chimney. So I told him. He said, really? I said, yeah, and you're not nearly as bright as what you thought. Now, that's a pastor's love. I could have said, oh, yeah, everybody's right. Your wife's right, too. Because his wife, I said, told his wife, don't you ever tell him again. I'll tell him from now on. Praise God. And I'm saving him. Yes, sir. And he's doing good. Yes, yes. But I know he's got the potential that if he hears the voices from a far country. And one of these days, if I get him saved and through the pearly gates, he'll be thankful to me. Yes, sir. Because if I let him go, he'd wind up over there in a far country, backslid, wasting all that he had. Amen. Too many times, too many times we've been under the control of our thinking and made wrong decisions. Stay with this pastor and God will stay with you. Get all of those thoughts of backsliding out. It's not good over there in another country. It's a farce. It's a fake. Amen. And if, you'll, if you have a ministry, let it come through the proper channels. From God to your pastor to you. And you'll have success. You'll have success. I heard about you. I heard about you. Your pastor told me about you. And he's proud of you. You know why? Because you listen to Brother Burgess. You wouldn't be nothing if it hadn't have been for Brother Burgess. That's and you know it. And you are what you are. That's right. Because you listen to that's the man of God. That's the truth. Now that, that's, in, that's spirits right here in this church. That's, that's spirits right here in this church. There's all kinds of little satellite places around here that's got voices calling. You let them know, I'm listening to my dad. Amen. We don't worship the preacher, but we sure do honor him. Isn't that right? Nobody will ever love you more in the physical than your spiritual father. And I'm talking about your pastor. Here's a young man that could have saved himself a whole lot of, should have, would have had all of his inheritance. But he got to thinking. And now, in this verse I read as my text, he came to himself. Thank God for backsliders that come back. But when you come back, you've lost everything you had. The world will take it all from you. You don't have to go that way. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this message, God, that you sent to us. Thank you, Lord, for the messenger. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give us ears to hear. God, a heart to receive.
God, for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I like about God's church. We do hear from the Lord. No, we do. God speaks through His ministry. No, He does. He still works the same way. Thank you so very much, Brother Strevel, for obeying the Lord. That's all we want. Brother Ballesteral, tremendous message last night. Obey the Lord. Tonight, Brother Strevel obeyed the Lord. Now, now we need to do our part. Our part is to obey the Lord. And God has told us. Thank you, Jesus. We are a very privileged people to really be children of God. We really are a privileged people to be in His house as humble as it is. And just as has been so well said, it's not out there. It's here. That's right. That is right. And you know what's so beautiful? Is that God does give so much to us. Always giving to us. Help us, Lord, to be more thankful for what God gives us daily, daily. He loads us daily with benefits. Let's love Him one more time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we do praise You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit, for Your truth, for Your ministry, God. We thank You, Lord Jesus, for what You're doing in our lives, O oh God, in our minds. Help us, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank You. Help us, Lord God, to be more like You. To be more thankful. To give You all the praise and all the glory. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.